What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you're all doing well. This is episode 9 of the Cleveland Pulse podcast. As always, I am your host, Justin Harold, with my co-host, Jeff Santa. Today, we will be reviewing and previewing for the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, today is 9-15-2020, which is Tuesday. Uh, we are essentially two days out from watching the Ravens game, which was an utter disappointment uh, for the Browns on opening day, per usual. Um, the Cleveland Browns scored six and got demolished 38 by the Ravens. And we will be previewing the Thursday night game for the Browns versus the Bengals at the Browns. But first, Jeff, let's let's talk about that Ravens game. So, the one thing that I just want to state is me and you were texting before and not as much during the game because of the game itself. And then afterwards, I wanted to get your thoughts. And honestly, you just told me that you had a you were at a loss for words. Where as I was, you know, I was ready to go. I had a lot of thoughts in my mind. How has that changed for you over the past day or so? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I hope you're doing good, Justin, and I hope everyone out there listening's doing good. And you know, not too not moping around too much after Sunday's game, but I just think right after, you know, usually after Browns games, I mean, unless we win, I feel like I need to need some time to digest, you know, what happened. Um, I think there's a lot of talking points on both sides of the football that we could get into, and I think, you know, this this quick turnaround of a week with Thursday night football coming up here, you know, in, in two days, is it's going to be interesting to see how this team comes out and performs Thursday night. Yeah, it could be either a really good thing if, you know, obviously if we win, you get that that loss out of your mind really quickly. Um, you move on to, you know, better things, winning against a team that, you know, in all honesty, we should be able to beat. Uh, I think we're very capable of beating. But, you know, coming off of a, a game against the Ravens like that, Obviously, last year we had some reason for possibly thinking we could maybe compete with them. Um, obviously, with everything that's going on with COVID and how restricted things were for the preseason, with not having a preseason and not being able to practice against other teams, you could tell that the Ravens were a team that have been situated for a very, a very long time, while the Browns essentially what I am chalking this up to played their first preseason game and played their only preseason game of the year. Um, you had this in our predictions as a loss. I had it as a win. Um, I think it's fair to say that putting up six points only was definitely not something any of us thought was going to happen. Um, it's pretty similar to last year with the Titans game where we really didn't put up any points and our defense was horrendous but like you said there's a lot of talking points here that we could honestly go about I think a lot of people will probably want to talk or hear more about the offense because I just think in general the offense the thing that shocked me the most about our offense wasn't any one player but more the way uh, or um, the way that Kevin Stefanski went about calling that game and so Jeff, well, let me hear what you have to say before I get too deep into what I want to say. 
So, I mean, looking at the box score, if you would have told me, you know, Saturday or pregame Sunday that we would have outrushed the Baltimore Ravens, um, I would have told you we would have been in a pretty good spot to win the ball game, um, which obviously did not turn out being the case. Um, their rushing attack, even this year, is just so good that I really thought that that was going to be the staple of the game, kind of who had the better rushing attack. I was actually somewhat surprised to see how quickly they went to Lamar's arm. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's the second best team in the AFC, in my opinion, and probably in a lot of projections, you know, right behind the Kansas City Chiefs, at least in the regular season. So you bring up a great point about that being, you know, a preseason game. And, I mean, the Browns haven't won a week one game since 2004. So I don't really think it's uh, – I think that's all we have to really say about that. I mean, we're notoriously bad week one. So I think that if you would have, if I'd, if we would have out, if you'd have told me we were going to outrush them and only score six points, I would have been definitely dumbfounded. Yeah. I mean, that's a, I think that in general is just a huge talking point with the rushing game. So the numbers are pretty misleading for the Browns, like you were alluding to with that. Um, Kareem Hunt had the most rushes. I think at some point in the second half, they kind of just pulled Nick Chubb and didn't really want to, you know, try to bang him up, maybe try to get Kareem some reps. But uh, he had 13 rushes for 72 yards, so that's a 5.5 average a carry. And then Nick had 10 rushes for 60 yards, which is uh, six car- or six yards per carry. And so the thing with that, and it goes back to my point about the game that Kevin Stefanski called offensively was those numbers. And when you watch that game, the running game was easily the most effective thing that we had going for us, even in that early, early on portion of the game. And I just, for some reason felt like Kevin got so far away from it too early on. There was the thing that shocked me the most is the formations that he used. And he came out in a lot more of the, five wide formation than I ever expected. I honestly never expected us to run a five wide and not as often as we did that we did on Sunday. Um, Flexing Nick Chubb out frequently gave me anxiety because why? One, I don't like not having someone else in the backfield with Baker because of protection reasons. And then to just, I don't know, just to have five wide is not something I thought offensively we would be calling a lot. Dude, I hate when we have no, when it's week one, and I mean, I just hate it in general across the NFL league wide. I hate empty backfields, especially if you have a, if you have, if you don't have one running back who's serviceable, I kind of understand, but that's usually not the case for NFL teams. But the amount of sets we had Sunday with nobody in the backfield was glaringly obvious. It's just, I mean, I don't know, man. With how dynamic we could be, I just felt like the play calling was so one-dimensional. I don't think the receivers played particularly well. And I think I think maybe it's going to take a, a little bit for Baker to get used to maybe having some protection in the backfield. I know I mentioned this in the last episode, but... You know, some of these scrambling quarterbacks who scrambled in in college, at least for a decent bit, you know, they come to the NFL and they're a little bit uneasy in the pocket. And I felt like 
Baker could have stepped up in some situations where he kind of got nervous and just started rolling to his right or left. Yeah, honestly, I thought the protection was really good Sunday. I thought it was good. It was I, above average. I think I saw like a statistic that the Browns were like 10 in pa- uh, pass protection or something after that weekend, um, after the first game. But obviously, that's just the first game. Um, it, I mean, the offensive line was probably the best, the brightest spot of our whole team in general. I think that, you know, like you said, like, I think Baker got sacked maybe twice and. A lot of the time he was, like for those, he was either trying to really just look downfield for too long or something like that. But honestly, the offensive line, you know, that first couple of rushes with Nick and Kareem, um, they got really good push. And protection-wise, I mean, I felt like it was perfect. I I mean, um, like I said about the Jedrick Willis thing, and good God, please let him play on on Thursday is my biggest thing. Um, we had like three guys get, or we had three guys get injured. Jedrick Willis is the one. He got x-rays. They came back negative. They said that he's just sore. Um, so I think they're hopeful that he'll play on Thursday. As an offensive lineman, I think that, like, you know, if you don't have anything, like, seriously hurting you, it's kind of like a big no-no to, like, miss a game for, like, something listed as soreness. So hopefully that's the case and he plays. Because I loved our pass protection, and I think, um, I think that'll be huge, huge for us. But he was one of those guys that got hurt. Jacob Phillips, R.I.P. to me. I mean, the two dudes I love on our defense, outside of like our D line and Denzel Ward, Jacob Phillips and um, Mac Wilson, like had big, big leg injuries. I don't know to what extent. Jacob Phillips is hurt because he posted on Instagram like he's in like one of those like pretty serious looking um, braces. But uh, hopefully it's good news and maybe uh, he's not out for too long. And then the one surprise of the game, I think, was David Njoku, who had an amazing catch and a touchdown, which was very... Uh, surprising to me but um yeah I mean just looking forward for this offense I think the only thing that I have hopes of is that Kevin was calling a preseason game and he was testing out different formations and trying to get film for what worked and what didn't and what could they improve on going forward so I hope that Thursday night they establish the run it's just Establish the run early. Don't go away from it too early, and just try to you know make those make those third and whatevers to, like just try to make them short. Make them three and fours and three and threes and three and twos and all that, so that you know you don't have to like have Baker be trying to make a play downfield and forcing the ball and everything. So yeah, I agree with that. I think the run is. With Chubb and Hunt, we're just going to have to pound the ball in the first half. I mean, I, I, I know that this is a, advertised as a high-powered offense, but I think that there's a lot of success in, in this league of teams that, you know, control the ball, control the time of possession specifically. And, you know, they might only have two or three possessions in the first quarter, but it might be, you know, you might have the ball for more than half the first quarter and you might have seven or ten points. And I think, you know, really – 
making sure that if we're playing a good team like the Ravens, that we keep it out of we keep the ball out of their offense's hands more than anything. And besides establishing the run, I don't know what what else it's gonna have to come down to with the play calling, but I think right next to establishing the run is getting Baker comfortable right out of the gates. Um, I think that's what kind of what Freddie Kitchens was probably the biggest highlight of his short coaching stint last year was that we scored on the first drive and I feel like you, you know what we saw Sunday Baker throws interception you know on the early onset of the game and I mean I, I feel like hopefully we're not harping on it all year but I'm gonna harp on it now we got to get OBJ involved I'm tar I would target OBJ two or three times the first drive if we go three and out and target OBJ twice that's cool because in the game Sunday there was a point in the second quarter I didn't even know where he was. He was on the sideline. He's running off the sideline. He gets dude. He's, his attention span so small. I think he's disinterested. If we don't target him the first couple of drives, he just loses his mind, and then he's out on the sideline. And Baker throwing Baker needs confidence right from the get go. Yeah, and you talking about that right now? Um, it's as of today. He just like he was just at the podium talking about the game and everything, and he said that you know um, he himself equates getting like getting targets and getting catches early on into a game as to uh like in the nba like a three-point shooter like clay thompson or steph curry getting hot early and like going off for 60 points so that makes a ton of sense i agree with you and i think what was really weird was um the fact that it took so long for him to get targeted the first time um going back to baker though Honestly, that one interception, I think I don't one. I don't think he needed to throw that ball that early because again the protection was pretty clean. But I think that he didn't see, you know, a, he didn't see Calais Campbell dropping back like he did, and um, still, it's that's still on. There's no excuse. It's Baker's fault. He should have held the ball and continued to look for a better option because. He was throwing to Kadero Hodge on that page, which I still don't understand why he's getting reps over um, Makes Hig no Higgins or anyone else for that matter at the wide receiving group. Um, it's just absurd for some reason. He's like out there consistently, but um, yeah, it's just you know let's let's give credit to the Baltimore Ravens though. I mean, all all facets of their game were perfect i mean offensively lamar jackson proved me wrong i i think i went on twitter and like made that point of like lamar like some some dude some so the one the one thing i do want to mention though really quickly is that browns fans on twitter are probably like the worst people because like they go f so quickly from being super positive like during the offseason and everything to the first game just completely destroys them and they go super negative immediately. And so like one dude was like, he said something about Lamar and it was like pretty like negative for the most part. He's like, or something like he's not as good as what he was. And as someone who was saying that before the season started and for the most part of last season, Lamar passing wise did so much so well and he didn't even run the ball like as much as everyone else expected to him for him to do, and he really just picked apart 
our defense for what it was, and our defense was awful in terms of our back, like, seven. He picked apart our linebackers, and he picked apart our depleted DP, uh, DB uh, group, mostly mostly uh, Sandejo. I really don't know why Sandejo was in front of Sheldrick Redwine. Uh, I really hope Ronnie Harrison ends up starting and playing a lot more than Sandejo against the Bengals, but... Um, defensively for the Ravens, I mean, that front four, they didn't cause enough trouble for me to be super overwhelmed by them, but everyone else in terms of their linebackers and their corners and safeties did a really good job of covering and, you know, getting guys to be frustrated. The one, the one statistical note that I want to make is that last year, Odell's worst game also came from Baltimore, so... Hopefully that's a good sign and that going forward with this Bengals game, we can see, and hopefully with what last year's Thursday night game was, is that, you know, Odell does get um, hot early and he does some spectacular things and we don't have to worry about the offense being too rigid or stale. So There's just so many things, right? I totally agree with you, given the Baltimore Ravens, you know their props and, and everything because they are one of the better teams in the National Football League, no doubt. And game planning for Lamar Jackson is almost like you have to game plan for two different quarterbacks kind of thrown into one because it was pretty apparent Sunday that if you have a busted secondary, the Ravens are just going to throw the ball. But for a team like, you know, Pittsburgh, who's got, you know, good – good players on defense uh, on the line who are going to rush Lamar Jackson. He's just going to roll out and make something happen with his legs. So, I mean, good luck trying to defend the Ravens offense all year long, especially J.K. Dobbins looks, looked so good. Yeah, but, I mean, even then, like, they're, like you said, we outrushed them, and J.K. Dobbins only had 22 yards, but he had those two touchdowns that yep. you're referring to. Good thing that Mark Ingram kind of had, like, a bad game. I hope. Dobbins replaces him immediately because I hate Mark Ingram. He's one of those. He's one of those players that's just super annoying to me. So <laughs> they just had so much. They it was just so apparent that they they were just better on every level than us. You know, offense, defense, special teams. They got more options somehow. They they don't on paper, but they got more versatility on the goal line. You know, in the red zone, they got their Harbaugh's just better at that state in the game. Um, the, the Browns fans on Twitter, I totally get where you're coming from. And, you know, I'm not someone who's going to – I don't watch the game and just sit there on my phone just, like, ready to fire off tweets, like, regardless, like, any sporting event. Like, I'll tweet about stuff after the fact once in a while. But I know a lot of Browns fans kind of just sit there with their Twitter open, just r- ready to tweet something. And, you know, it's week one, and I'm a realist, so I know that you don't win or lose the Super Bowl in week one. But, I mean, it's it's tough to blame some of them when we're running, you know, f- a fake punt in the first quarter. And, I mean, it's just different. If we were getting just flat-out beat, which we did, but if – I just don't want us to beat ourselves. If we go if we go 6-10 and 10 and we lose, you know, the 10 games and the other team actually beats us and it's, like, good games, I'm fine with that. Like, I don't care about losing. I care about when we beat ourselves, when we're doing – dumb fake punt stuff the first week of the year and OBJ the third and two OBJ drop that's like 
people looked at me a little goofy when I was talking about it, especially my roommates, but it was 38 to 6. But if OBJ don't drop, drop that ball, um, it's a totally different game. Just in the whole, I mean, we could talk about going down that rabbit hole, but there's just so many things. Like every pass that Baker throws, I'm like, that ball, like he just threw so many balls Sunday that look behind receivers. Like he just, he always, I always have high hopes for him to look sharp. And he just comes out and he just, some drives he looks really good. And the next drive he looks like a completely different person. Yeah. Was that, wait a minute, was that Odell um, three and two that late into the game? Well, it was the second quarter, but it was ten to six, and if he would have caught it, oh, I understand missed, what you were getting yes, at. We missed the field goal. He dropped it. We missed the field goal. So at minimum, it should have been ten to nine. But if he dropped it and we punched in, it would have been thirteen ten. Right. Right. Like, okay. It's a whole different game. We have the lead with like, even if they score before halftime, it's a four point deficit at half. You know, or it's right. tied. Right. Yeah. Okay. I I was confused for a second. I thought that happened way earlier on in the game, but I get what you were going right. for with yeah. the the end score doesn't um show what that means. But I think it's amazing that you bring that up, Jeff, because I was listening listening to Kevin Stefanski's uh, press conference yesterday, and one of the reporters, uh, you know, asked um Kevin the the game of football is so interesting because of the fact that it's a game of inches. And if you go back to that exact play that you were talking about, Jeff, that third and two and Odell catches the ball and we don't have to rely on free agent kicker uh, Austin Seibert to kick a field goal and not, you know, get it, then they don't turn around and go and score a touchdown on that drive and then go uh, double dink. I, I don't know what the terminology, I forget what it is off the top of my head, but Baker was talking about it after the game about, if you like, if you double dip and you score twice before going into um, the half, or maybe maybe it was that, or maybe it was no, I think it was that. I think they scored like twice in the last five minutes, just like they did last year at, at um, yep. the Browns, and um, but like the percentages of winning a game like that is super high for the team who does who does that. So that was a great point by you, but. Yeah, my thing with Baker, and honestly, I don't think Baker played bad. I think he threw the one interception, and then after that point, it was like almost seemingly the announcers were like, oh, it really seems like Odell hasn't really gotten targeted that much. And it's like it directly fed into his helmet, and it was like, oh, shit, I got to start like forcing the ball to, to Odell. We don't, and, like, we don't run any... Since we've had Odell, this is like a big, you know, this is a pretty big generalization, but it's like mostly true. Besides that long touchdown he had against, I think, the Jets last year, I feel like we just run the most inorganic plays to OBJ. I don't know what it is. I feel like, just like you were were about to say, we target him once, and then the defense is like, yeah, they're going to throw to him again. Yeah, I mean, what's it called? Marlon Humphreys. Um, their defense is good. Yeah, but he, that 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 dude pissed me off. I'm not gonna lie. I watched him with Jarvis. Um, it was very evident, like the one play that Jarvis was upset because Humphreys was like all over him before the ball was like ever even catchable. And then you watched it with that one drive with Odell, where the dude just was not letting go of o- Odell. But yep. I agree. Like my thing with Odell is I don't know what's best. To call for him. Because I feel like 
there was a play where he did like a 10 yard like in so he went up 10 yards and then tried to come in but like marlon humphreys or marcus peters was like already in front of him like i don't know i don't know like what they want me to call for or what they want kevin to call him to do do you want like comebacks because that's my that's my thing comebacks are the are the routes that piss me off the most because they're so easy to get that kind of separation from a from a db and sure maybe you only get like four yards but sometimes you get like nine yards and i don't know i think like if you want to establish a connection and all that with baker and odell just try to get odell involved short first instead of trying to go middle and then long with him because it just hasn't worked out any other way. I think a lot of the stuff over the middle, it seemed like Baker, the balls were behind. Some He made some good throws, and, I mean, I think his decision-making looked, like, pretty decent. Um, it, he didn't have a great stat line, mostly because we only scored six points. But, I mean, you know, another game with the interception. I just wish he could go one game without throwing a pick, like, his confidence, I just feel like we're such a – our offense just seems, like, so confidence-based that it's, like, just kind of scary. If we, like, get out to a bad start, it's kind of like, oh, like, here we go again. And then they all start thinking that. But I think I think that the scouting report on OBJ is kind of just, just, you know, mug them. Just mug them across the middle, and whenever we're targeting them, just – Get a pass interference. Who cares? I think. I think when I think he gets really frustrated because that drive and it happened a lot last year. We would throw to him, it'd be incomplete, and you know the refs maybe you know not they're not throwing the flag, and then the next two plays, P uh, DPI DPI, and then uh, and then he's frustrated, and you know he's getting he's getting they're hanging all over him. The defenders are literally right on top of him. Because I was like I was like no wonder he can't catch the ball because you wonder why he doesn't have any receptions. And then they show the replay, and Marlon Humphrey's on his back. Yeah, yeah. there was that, but then there was also the case of the third and two where he should have caught the ball. There's right. no reason for him not to, to not catch that ball, in all honesty. And then there was the play where he stepped out of bounds and then came back in bounds and yep. caught it, and that would have been a good play, but um, got called against us. Um, I don't know, man. It's hard for me to really think about how Odell, like, it seems like since we've added Odell, and trust me, I'm I'm here for the connection to click eventually, but it's so hard to imagine that Baker went from throwing to guys like Brashard Perriman and um, Rashard Higgins and Jarvis Landry in that first, in his rookie year, and being as amazing as he was, to getting Odell, and then things just, like, turned so... It's like he he does just have that kind of what is that like word that I want to use not aura but like it kind of just like you were saying like the offense is so mood swingy and I think it has to do with how Baker and Odell are like connecting in that game. Dude, it just seems like I don't know. I guess the expectations just get to him, but like there's literally no fans there. Like when when Baker replaced Tyrod Taylor his rookie year the after like two games like the third or fourth game of sitting down and watching him when he would drop back in the pocket and he would rear back and fire the ball i just thought every ball was going to be a bullet just right on target caught ball like a strike 
just a strike every time. He does that now. He rears back to throw it now, and I'm like, well, one of the D linemen is going to throw his hand up and bat it down, or the ball is going to be behind. Like, I don't know. I just feel like watching him, it's just like I don't – I had more confidence in him when he just had less expectations, which, I mean, I guess that kind of does make sense logistically, but – I mean, I don't even have that. I don't even have that many high expectations for him, even with this offense. I mean, what is his line? Twenty-one to thirty-nine, one hundred eighty-nine yards, a touchdown interception. If he was twenty-one to thirty, one hundred ninety yards, one touchdown, that's cool. I would be a lot more. I would be a lot happier if his if his lines were more consistently of just him throwing for twenty of thirty. Honestly, the more accurate you are, I could care less about like how. How many yards you're gonna get? If I'm being a thousand percent honest right now, because oh, I hate, I sure. hate, I hate being so low on the accuracy pin, pinpoint thing, and it's just a uh, a matter of like, what are your, what are your, like, what are the routes that your wide receivers are running, and what are the reads going into that play? Because I just feel like a lot of times he's just forcing it, and we're we're kind of just beating the the horse to death now. It's already been dead for a while, but. Um, <laughs> I just think, in general, offensively, I'm looking for Kevin Stefanski to call a better game um, to help the offense in general. But to move on to the defense, we already talked about it a little bit. The defensive backfield is pretty banged up. Um, but the the big thing was, you know, the defensive line, um, they really just didn't – I mean, they, like, they pressured Lamar, but they never got to him. Like, Lamar would always find a way to get out, and that was yep. – Highly unfortunate. We only got two sacks, and one came from a backup, backup, backup corner, and from our backup DN, and I think, you know, garbage time. So, I think it's fair to move on from this Ravens game, unless you got a, anything. I mean, the only thing, the only other thing I'll note is hey, Cody Parkey, um, if you miss an extra point or a field goal, and we lose this game because of an extra point or field goal, uh, I'm going to be upset with you more so than anyone else in my life. Dude, we haven't had a good kicker since Phil Dawson. Tell me how – tell me uh, – dude, he came – didn't he, like, come and visit us, like, last season or something? I was just like, please sign back with us. I will take your old old leg for anything other than Austin Cyber or – what. but the thing is – the kid that we, Zane Gonzalez, the dude that we cut after we picked him, like in the sixth or seventh round, like a couple years ago, is in Arizona just going lights out. Like, why? Why are these people, why are these people like this? Why do they come to Cleveland and they suck and then they leave and they're really good? I just hate it. I, I don't understand it. It just doesn't make sense. It happened to our O linemen, it happened to the guys on the Kansas City Chiefs now. Um, Mitchell Schwartz is over there. He's won a Super Bowl, and he's like a captain and a Pro Bowler. Um, Alex, um, oh, what is his name? Um, the center down in Atlanta now. Um, Alex Mack. Yeah, uh, he's a Pro Bowler consistently. It's just, I just bad I, vibes. Yeah, right now it's bad vibes. I honestly, uh, I'm bumming myself out right now and trying not to do that too often. But you know. I think we should move on to the Bengals game. I don't know if you have anything else to say about that Ravens game, though. My last point for the Ravens game, you already said it, but I'm going to reemphasize red wine in for Sandejo. That's yes. All. I just don't understand why red wine hasn't gotten, like, like I said it immediately after the Zell Pit injury. I was like, 
he should be the person that gets to start. He has. He played last year. Yeah, he played last year, but I think it's like the whole Minnesota thing where Sandejo came from Minnesota, so Stefanski might just like have a thing for him yeah. over Redwine. But like after Redwine got picked apart and just like obliterated in this game, um, I would expect Ronnie Harrison to either start over him or Redwine to start over him, and for him to just be in the back of the the depth chart right now. But yeah, so let's let's move on to this Bengals game. So they played the Chargers and lost because of their kicker pulling his hamstring on the game tying field goal. But let's talk about you know them in general. So Joey Burrow, uh, I was happy that he didn't perform too well because I don't want him to you know get too high or anything coming into this game. He went twenty three of thirty six for one hundred ninety three yards. Um, no passing touchdown, but he rushed for one touchdown, and he threw an interception. Um, Joe Mixon got 19 carries for 69 yards. Um, that's what, you know, Nick Chubb should be able to end a game, you know, at least carries-wise. Um, I, I'm still in the belief of Nick Chubb should get the ball 20 times a game. But Joe Burrow, eight, eight carries for 46 yards in that touchdown. And then, you know... Looking at their wide receivers, A.J. Green looks like he kind of returned from the ashes that he has been for the past couple years. But, you know, we were talking about the Browns doing a five-wide set. I watched the highlights of that game because uh, we're from Cleveland, so we don't get Cincinnati games unless you got the red uh, – the what's it called? The end. Yes, sir. NFL Network. Yeah, did you, wa- did you watch that game, Jeff? Dude, I probably watched – 50% minimum of every game this weekend, and I love I love Red Zone and NFL Network, but... I should probably get it. I try to watch stuff dude, through my fantasy. It's worth it, but I don't know. I wish you could watch, like, like, we had to watch... Even here, we had to watch the Browns game in Pittsburgh. We had to watch it on cable. Like, the close teams get blacked out, so, like, you can't see, like... Here, we can't see Pittsburgh game. We couldn't see the Pittsburgh game on it. Obviously, but that was if Pittsburgh's playing, you can't see like your local games on it. That's probably the only bad bad part about it. Like they just don't offer it to you on the on the on the pass. Yeah, well, the games there, but it says blacked out. So like the Steelers weren't playing this Sunday, so we had Browns on the cable. We usually have one game on the cable and one game on the NFL Network. We got two TVs in our room. It's a good setup. Huh. So maybe like that's just like a way to for I don't know. Maybe the network found a way to like promote giving like local um tv coverage and all that but that's interesting but um yeah so what did you uh what are your thoughts so far about if you watched a little bit of that game or anything so traditionally i mean first first overall picks um don't do very well in their first game i they're showing the graphic that since like the 1960s only three quarterbacks have won their first game they've started in um the first overall draft pick that is. So, I mean, it's not – I wasn't surprised that they lost. Um, the Chargers looked – you know, they looked decent. I don't really know why Herbert isn't playing for them, but I think the the Bengals, what I saw from that game is that at least week one, Joe Burrow did not look like the accurate Joe Burrow from LSU. Um, he had a multiple touchdown opportunities, 
that the ball was sailed or just wasn't a great throw. So, I mean, there's going to be growing pains over there for them. And I don't think they're – I think I, I'm hoping we have a coaching advantage this week, especially on a short week. That's all I can hope for because I don't think their head coach – the head coach is his second year, I think. I don't even really know his name. But I don't think that he's stellar. Yeah, no, and so I watched the highlights, and so I got 12 minutes of highlights and stuff. And for me, the one thing that I can note about that game that I'm looking forward to is the fact that um, I don't think Joe Burrow gets it out quick enough. And so it looks like, you know, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram on the D-line for the Chargers were, you know, getting to him um, fast and often, and hopefully, you know, that translates to Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi, and uh, Olivier Vernon uh, being able to create four-man pressure. Because if I'm being honest, I saw a lot of that five five wide receiver set uh, with the Bengals. So we're going to need to drop our back seven into coverage. And honestly, I don't know. The only, the only person that I can you know rely on on that defensive back seven right now is Denzel. And so I I would say just throw him against A.J. Green and follow A.J. Green around. But the rest of the defense, my problem is I thought we played a lot of zone against the Ravens, and you can pick apart zones so easily. But the Bengals have so many talented wide receivers that if you try to play man on them and you get Sandejo on a Tyler Boyd or a John Ross and you send that dude on a streak... It could be bad news for us. I mean, honestly, as of right now, the defense is not my hopeful side of the Browns. My hopeful side is that the offense clicks and finds a way to put points up on the board because this might be one of those games where offensively... And to make a quick point about the last game going into this game... It's unfair to blame the defense for everything because we did put them in two pretty awful spots with an yes. interception and with the punt. Although I believe after the punt, uh, the fake punt, they ended up fumbling the ball that drive, right? Yes. Yeah, so, um, but honestly, you can't put the defense in awful positions, especially to start the game because, you know, it's just like a, such a fucking punch in the gut to do that to your defense. And I thought they did really well. Um, Larry Ogunjobi, he looks like a monster. Yeah, he, um, he looked. He was probably the best part about the defensive line that game. He absolutely manhandled some people. But, yeah, I mean, I and I told you, Jeff, going into that game, you agreed with me via text message that uh, we wanted defense to come out first. And we didn't get that because the Ravens won the toss and they deferred. So they got the ball in the second half. But I honestly would prefer to start each and every game on defense if we had the choice. Each and every game. Because, you know, I don't think the offense is where we're going to get our, our you know, feet underneath us to start the game. I think if we give, give our defense a chance to go out there and go three and out and let Miles and Denzel kind of do their things then I think that can translate into our offense and give us a little bit of a boost um, going into that drive and kind of just having a fire underneath us already. Let's not – I don't think – the Browns just can't get cute this week. I got I got three – I got 
I got three talking points for this week. Run the ball. The Bengals gave up 155 rushing yards to the Chargers. That's pretty last week. That's not very good. I don't know if that that might have been the worst in the league. So run the ball. Their run defense is not good. Two control win time of possession. Just win it. That's all you have to do. Have long drives and score. Have 10-minute drives and score a touchdown. It's just make sure that Burrow and their wide receiving core can't continually burn you. Three, and this is another bad thing that we did. Terrible. So bad. So the little things this Sunday were so bad. Make sure that – how many short fields did we give Lamar Jackson? Can we not give Joe Burrow the ball on, like, R40? like multiple times, have make them earn their points. Make them go, you know, 60, 70, 80 yards to score. Like, I don't want to see these. Our defense, every time I felt like they are going on the field, it was a short field, and Lamar Jackson threw the ball twice, and they were on our five-yard line. That's That was one of the biggest things, takeaways from Sunday's game that I think we need to do better this Thursday. Yeah, but to make one point really quickly, there was a drive where they started on the 99-yard, or sorry, 99-yard, the one-yard line. Thank God the Scottish Hammer, uh, man, that punt was beautiful. And then I was just like, I was so upset that they went 99 (laughs) yards on our ass. But, I mean, yeah, the short field advantage is a huge thing. Obviously, if you start anywhere, I think if you start anywhere on your own 40 going forward you are like very likely to get into scoring range let alone scoring a touchdown and with joe burrow and joe mixon i think it's a very i was honestly surprised i don't know if that touchdown run was i don't think it i think it was planned because it looked like the wide receivers were kind of already blocking it looked like a quarterback draw um but you know, Joe Burrow, I think, can escape the pocket, but to your point, just you cannot you cannot shoot your defense in the foot. You can't turnovers. I would like a turnoverless game for the Browns. No fumbles. Oh, and that's that's another thing. Nick Chubb fumbled. Yeah, that was a surprise. Um, Very much so. And I think I think that was like the the end of him. I think he fumbled, and I don't think he saw the field ever again. And obviously, you can't really do that to Nick Chubb, but also we weren't really in the game at that point. So, but honestly, for the Browns, my three things are very similar to yours. You gotta, you can't get away from the run, and two, you need to utilize the dude that you paid a pretty good amount of money to sign at tight end with Austin Hooper a little bit better. Where's why weren't we target where dude the targets looking at the box score for that last game the targets are just so disheartening to look at. I don't know why. Yeah, Jarvis got the early early targets and then it, I don't like felt like I never saw him again. Then it kind of transitioned into Kadero Hodge and a bunch of other people in that second quarter. Then in that third quarter it felt like Odell just got a plethora of like six in one series or whatever. It was it was very weird. And Austin Hooper, I think, I don't even know. How do you have the targets up there for you? Um, I think he had no. I didn't see targets. I only saw receptions. Right. He. I. I think he only had the one reception, if yep. I'm correct. But it's yeah. He. It, it was almost like he. He was 
supposed to be the third string tight end and David Njoku was the one. But right. uh, I want to see play calling improve, is, and that's going to be my biggest thing forever. It can't look like Freddie Kitchen's offense again. It just can't. That's going to be my biggest thing is I thought we were going to come in and we we're going to run a lot of two tight end sets, which we did, kind of. Um, not as much as I thought we did, but... And the fullback, I thought the fullback would be in a lot more than what he was, and he really, really, really wasn't. Um, I'm okay with... And also, I would like an integration of the pistol. Um, I think if you have Nick Chubb back behind Baker, Kareem on one side, and uh, either Hooper or... Janovich or Bryant on the other side of Baker, I think the pistol would be something that I would be interested in seeing just to kind of shake things up, but we didn't really see that once. Um, to to further elaborate, though, Nick, Nick Chubb and Kareem, I would like to see them out there on the field together in the backfield. There was times last year when Kitchens did that, and he made one of the guys a lead blocker. I think that would be a great idea to go back to. That was one of the when we got Kareem back last year. That was one of the highlights. So, but it seems like it seems like Kareem is going to get a fair amount of just like rushing touches compared to last year, where he was just primarily the pass catching running back. So, um, a lot to look for in this game. And I was texting with. One of my friends who's in my uh, multimedia journalism class um, for OSU about the Bengals game. And he told me, well, he actually gave me like, I asked him like, did he watch the game? And I was like, can you tell me some things that you were, you know, like thinking of? He sent me like a whole ass scouting report. Um, he's, he's worried that our running game could just topple this entire um, it could be like the whole point of the game where Nick Chubb and Kareem just go off for like a hundred yards apiece. So I think that's just in general what me and you are expecting out of this office offense in general. Hopefully, I mean I expect that to be the case. You know, hopefully every week it obviously won't be, but that would be you know an awesome baseline start for this offense. But at the end of the day, that comes full circle back to the play calling and the coaching. Uh, if Stefanski, you know goes away from the run again I just think that's going to be not a great sign and just get rid of that the empty backfields I want to see I want to see less empty backfields Thursday and I want to see less Kadero Hodge yeah I I I agree with that um it's interesting because I'm just looking at you know stats right now um I can't believe it I can't believe that um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is the leading rusher with 138 <laughs> yards Derek Henry previous rushing leader 116 Benny uh Benny Snell um Snell from Pittsburgh 113 and then you know it gets very muddled with players and such but the touches I feel are just you know you look at the and you were probably watching this game last night and God bless the New York Giants for why why they selected Daniel Jones over Dwayne Haskins because 
if I am any New York Giants fan right now and I watched that game and I watched Daniel Jones after like a 18 play drive throw <laughs> a floater to Cam Hayward I'd want to off myself throw the ball away oh my gosh it's yeah so you talk annoying. about Baker you talk about Baker making like bad decisions from like last year I don't even think Baker would have thrown that ball I don't know what he was thinking I don't know what he was doing but he just chucked that ball up to six different Steelers players. It was like, here, which one of you wants it? And they're like, get get this dude Cam Hayward his first interception. But dude, um, he he looked good too. Like he, I thought he played well. Besides the besides that bonehead mistake against that Steelers defense, I was like, I was pretty impressed with actually how he played. And then he just does that complete nonsense to bail their defense out. Right. But to go back to my point, um, Saquon Barkley uh, had a poor, poor showing rushing the ball. I don't know. I didn't really watch that game. I watched that one series, and they just could not get him started for any which reason. And But they rushed him on like throughout that entire game, and uh, they went back to him no matter what the problem was. And mm-hmm. I think that's just got to be the – you can't – like no matter what, you cannot lose – that with the Browns. You cannot lose that with Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt. Um, the Bengals' defense, I'm not too worried about their back seven. I think this is going to be a true game of scoring between the two of us. Um, I think if we can get going early on, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll, I think we're going to win this game. We're currently 3-0. We're undefeated in Thursday night games for in some category um for the Browns. I saw it this morning. Um hold on. I can find that, but you know, we're pretty good at home for these Thursday night games. So, I'm hoping for some Thursday night magic with the Browns. I'm hoping that, you know, Odell um gets back onto his um Onto his stuff. He gets his magic back. Um, what are you looking for in this game, Jeff? It's just a good running attack. I think, you know, I think even with our banged up defense and us not being extremely sharp yet, there's still a very high chance we win this game. So I think out of everything, this is going to be the short turnaround is making me nervous because. We haven't performed well in the past in situations like this, but from kind of one extreme of like the top of the AFC, kind of you know closer to the bottom of the AFC for competition, I think that should help us and you know just give us some confidence. Just if we could have a blowout win, you know, I mean, I just can't wait to see how that would roll into the next week and just see how if we could build any momentum. We didn't build any momentum Sunday during the game, and you know the final score didn't give us any momentum or anything to even really look at that was like super great and outstanding to look forward to this week so kind of just hit the reset button you know act like you're oh and oh and just go out and beat this Bengals team sorry my dogs were barking i muted my mic for a second they're still they're still going off all right calm down now um so i found that tweet um so it's a win thursday would mark the third consecutive year the browns go undefeated at home on thursday night football so Obviously, um, would love for that to continue. Going to your point, I don't think the Browns, I can't in my right mind, my goodness, these dogs right now. Um, in 
in my right mind, I can't really say that we're going to blow anyone out because I just I just can't. I can't, uh, after watching that game, put my hopes up that high. I will say the one thing that I want out of the Browns more than anything is at s- some point within the first two quarters, I want the Browns to go on two consecutive scoring drives of touchdowns where it just looks super clean. It looks like you know we're in charge and we know what we're doing on offense and at that point the after that you can do whatever in terms of going three and out or um, possibly you know just not finishing a drive with scoring points but two drives I think where you score the ball and you you know you make connections and you get the thing rolling I think that puts you in the state of mind of okay we know we can put this together we've done it we did it twice consecutively. Now we just need to, you know, go back, go into the halftime, find the plays that worked on those drives, and put them into a sequence again somewhere here in the third and the fourth. I mean, I think the formula is pretty simple here. Just establish run. Get out to, you know, get out to a two-score lead where we could – I feel like, I mean, Sunday definitely we didn't control the game at all, but – I just want the Browns to have more games this year where they're controlling the game for the majority of the game, if that makes sense. So I don't want us, you know, playing from behind and coming and winning from behind. Like, that's that's big for a squad, but that's not, like, or something that you could continuously repeat week in and week out. Like, I want us winning the half, and I want us winning the game. Like, pretty simple. And when we, you know, when we get ahead, then we could dictate what we do with our offense. We could run the ball. We could, you know take huge chunks of, you know, time off the clock, even if we only get a field goal. But still, I mean, it's just so depleting when the other team is behind and they're fighting against the, they're fighting against the other team, their opponent, and they're fighting against the clock. I mean, that's like one of the hardest positions to be in at football. And even specifically this year, this is a little bit off topic, but with the new onside kick rule, the onside kicks are dead. So coming having like a crazy comeback, I feel like, is even less probable than, you know, maybe ever in the National Football League. I don't think, um, like you said, having a comeback win against the Cincinnati Bengals would not be anything to be super joyous about. Um, I think going into this game and coming out of it, if the Browns can win by two touchdowns, and I don't know if two touchdowns is too little. I don't think it is. I think it's good enough. But if they can win by two touchdowns, I'll be happy, and I will, you know, you get a long, long week and a half to prepare for your next game. It just does things very well for your mental state and gets guys back healthy for that third game. So um, that's another big thing. Health uh, really needs some guys to get healthy. And maybe, you know, I don't think you can go out and sign a free agent right now with this short week to play Thursday. But dependent on what happens Thursday, I would expect – uh, a few linebackers to at least be coming into the building and uh, being seen to. I mean, Clay Matthews still out there for some reason, and Nigel Bradham from the Eagles a couple years ago uh, out there right now. I mean, I would like to see some of those guys be targeted. Also, Eric Berry, I've been saying this for like two to three years now. Every year I want him in free agency. After watching Sandejo, I would very much like for Eric Berry to be a Brown. But that's just me, so. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any quick fixes we can make this week, but, and obviously it's still week two, and no, I mean, obviously I'm not going to jump to conclusions at the same time, but, I mean, going uh, going down 0 and 2 in the division, that's not going to be a good look, especially with the way you know Pittsburgh looked last night with Big Ben back, and you know, I mean, splitting with the Ravens is going to be a tall order, um, regardless. So I think the Bengals are. I mean, they're, you can't say must-win games in the division, but it would be so nice to just sweep them. Yeah, I agree. All right, Jeff, I think we got we to gotta wrap things up here because I think um, at this point now we're kind of yep. just repeating ourselves a little bit. But let's get a final prediction for this game from you, and then I'll give my prediction, and then we'll give it a call. I got 31-17 brownies. God bless it, Jeff. I was going to say 31-14, but <laughs> damn. I can't believe I we were on that good. same wavelength. Yeah, I, I mean. That's a good score. I think that's pretty good. I think we give Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon a touchdown apiece or whatever. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me. And then, you know, the Browns click and they score their touchdowns and they get a good amount of them. They get, you know, three to four and a field goal in there. So, I like that. I like that a lot. I think 31, we might be shooting a little bit high, to, to be honest. Perhaps. To be honest, um, we probably should set our expectations lower from now on. But um, uh, here's hoping that Thursday night I get to give you a call late, late after that game, and I get to be really pumped up and excited for being there with 6,000 people. And... Uh, we win big, and I get to call you and be happy for once. So yeah, let's go. We're at home. Even yeah, better. at home. I think I think we'll be good. I think, you know, played. We're going from literally the top of the NFL to a somewhat either to the middle or bottom of the pack team. I think the Browns will be situated, and we will come out with the win. Agreed. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. As always, if you guys could. Uh, share, like, comment, uh, give us some thoughts on what you guys are thinking, pr- projections, what your thoughts on were for the game last last time for the Ravens, and what you guys are thinking for the preview and for your thoughts on the Bengals game. All that would be appreciated um, from me and Jeff. You know, we we love doing this, so we're gonna keep doing it. Obviously, this is our first uh, time doing a review and doing a preview as well in the same category i'm sure going into next week we'll probably do one episode as a review and then let the the redskins play their game and then kind of uh do a preview from there so but yeah thank you all for being here we appreciate it and we'll catch you in the next one peace